Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Travis Chappell, and if you want to learn to define your best life and have the courage to actually live it, you should be listening to the More Than Corporate podcast with my really good friend, Amber Fearman. Welcome to the More Than Corporate podcast, where we discuss finding fulfillment, defining success, and living your best life. There's no roadmap to success, no one-size-fits-all answer to fulfillment. I believe it requires us all to be vulnerable and authentic about what we want to accomplish and have the courage to step out of our comfort zone to chase our dreams. Keep listening to hear stories from inspiring people who make it their mission to live their best life every day. Welcome back to another episode of the More Than Corporate podcast. Today I have a really exciting interview with Travis Chapel. You guys have heard me talk about Travis so much. He is my podcast coach. He's a mentor of mine. He has an amazing podcast called Build Your Network, um, another amazing podcast called World Class. He has a really awesome Facebook group called Build Your Network Community, where he really encourages interaction and connection. I can't wait for you to hear more from Travis, including things like how growing up in a small town in a religious environment has made an impact on where he is and what he's doing today. The impact that door-to-door sales has made in his ability to approach people concerning their podcast, as well as his entrepreneurial journey and the journey from, you know, nine to five to entrepreneurial and how that really happened for him. Before we jump into Travis's interview, if you are a person that I lovingly describe as a serial accomplisher, if you keep running from accomplishment to accomplishment, trying to figure out what is going to fulfill you and no matter what you do, it just never seems like it's enough. If you're not experiencing the success that you want to be experiencing in your business, if you are still trying to figure out what your future holds or if you're making a change in your business or in your professional career, if you just feel like things aren't really falling into place the way that you expected them to, then I have a solution for you. The Define Your Life Mastermind is a way for you to get extremely clear on exactly what success means to you, what a career means to you, what relationship you have with money, how spirituality and relationships with friends and family members fall into your life and what a well-rounded life feels like, looks like, and sounds like. If you are the person who has just been waiting for the opportunity to come along to try to help you figure out what your future holds, then this is it right here. The Define Your Life Mastermind is going to give you the opportunity to define your best life and then we're going to push you out of your comfort zone so you can have the courage to live it. You're going to get access to me. You're going to get access to experts. You're going to be able to surround yourself with people who are also on the same path of figuring out what their future holds and really defining their best life and making sure that they are out there just living their best life every single day. If this sounds like something that interests you, go to defineyourlife.morethancorporate.com. Check it out. We're launching soon and we would love to have you in that. If you have any questions, there is also an opportunity to book a call with me. I'd be happy to jump on a call. Make sure it's a right fit for you. I promise this mastermind will change your life if you jump in. Without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into this interview with Travis. Travis, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me, Amber. Of course. So for those of you who don't know, Travis is the infamous Travis Chapel that I talk about, mm-hmm. my podcast coach, that is the reason that this podcast exists, um, or at least has somewhat quality to it. So thank you for all the guidance you gave me there. I'm super excited to dig into your story because I think it's pretty cool how you went from your life in California and the life that you came 
from to what you're doing now in Vegas. So why don't we just go ahead and start there with what it was like for you growing up and what you thought your life was going to be like when you were in like high school. Yeah, good question. So I grew up in a small, tight-knit religious bubble of sorts in Southern California, which is kind of a weird place for that to exist. In LA County, of all places, a giant, you know, really conservative, it's called Independent Fundamental Baptist, as it was the, was the exact, you know, subsect of religion that it was in. And so kind of a, a really interesting way to grow up. I, I was three years old, I believe, when we, when we moved there and started going to the church. And it was, it was a mega church. And at the time when we started going there, it wasn't quite that definition. You know, it was probably a couple thousand members. So really big church, but not mega church. Now there's probably like seven or 8,000. But they had a, a, uh, a school on the same campus. So from kindergarten through 12th grade, I also went to school there. And so pretty much the majority of my life was lived on that 40 acres or whatever that the campus size is. And, you know, every Saturday we had soul winning, every Sunday we had church and we had Sunday morning church and Sunday night church. And then every Wednesday night we had church and then school Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then we had chapel uh, during school. So, which is like, we'll never complain about my religion ever again being excessive. (laughs) That's a lot of church. Yes. Yes. That's what I tell people now is then they're like, Oh, you're going to church. I'm just like, no, I think I clocked in enough hours. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like I just got it all out of the way when I was like, you know, zero through 21. So like, I think, I think I'm good now. I think I, I think I clocked my hours in <laughs> for the rest of my life. Banked those, but, right? Carry yeah, most over. People, most people go once a week, you know, for 80 years. I just decided <laughs> to go seven times a week for 20. So. Hey, whatever um, works out for you. But, but yeah, so I, I have a unique way, way of growing up and in that kind of culture, there was also a college on the same campus and that college was purely a ministerial college. So you know, uh, looking back, it's pretty clear to see that there was an agenda that they had of raising up kids that would go to the school and then eventually decide to go to the college because it was an unaccredited college. So they need money. And so that they want students. And if the students from the school aren't going to the college, then what other students are going to go to the college? So they, there's an emphasis, there's for sure an emphasis, they don't force anything. It's not actually a cult, but there is an emphasis and a, a social pressure for sure. Uh, cultural pressure for sure. And so I, I didn't really have those like, th- so I, I was 12, Amber, I was 12 years old when I committed to going into full-time ministry and wow. like n- nobody ever second guessed my decision. That's the crazy thing looking back now is like, nobody was like, Hey man, you were 12 when you made that decision. Are you sure that's what you want to do still? Like nobody asked me that ever, you know? So I never had the traditional 15 year old thoughts of what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You know, I didn't have, we didn't have a career counselor where I went to school. We didn't have anybody letting us know about if you want to go into this career opportunity, you need to get into this type of school. And in order to be able to do that, you have to have these types of grades. Like there weren't, there was none of that that was happening. It was just go to school, come home. And then eventually like most people either go to the junior college that's local in town, AVC, Antelope Valley College, or to the college on the campus. So that was pretty much the, the decision for me. So I went to the college on the campus, got my degree in Bible and church ministries. And during college, I started in door-to-door sales. And I started realizing my junior year, I, I was doing an internship every every weekend. So every Saturday and Sunday, you know, it, it definitely wasn't a traditional, like, you know, regular college experience, what, what most kids do. And I was not partying and getting girls on the weekend. I was traveling down to a church with a friend of mine and 
literally working there all day Saturday and all day Sunday, like cleaning the church and doing all that kind of stuff. So I, I started realizing that during that internship, I was doing the thing on the weekends that I was supposed to be doing for the rest of my life. And then I would come back to school and on Monday through Friday, I was doing my sales job in door to door. I started realizing that I enjoyed what I was doing in sales way more than I enjoyed the ministerial things. And it was a really scary realization because I was just like, wow, am I really going to do something that I don't enjoy for the rest of my life? But my programming kicked in and it was just like, oh, well, that's just the devil that's telling me these things and tempting <laughs> me and trying to get me to not do this thing, you know? And uh, so it was a, it was a big, you know, uh, wrestling match in my brain for a long period of time. And you know, it was something that was definitely, it was kind of a lonely period because I wasn't really it was taboo to bring it up, you know, like I, I couldn't really express how I was feeling to anybody because it was immediately like a shutdown and like, oh, don't do that. Like, don't do anything besides ministry. Like, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Do you feel like that was the actual response or just the response that you expected to get? Like, hey, if you would have, if you would have told your parents, hey, this isn't what I want to do, would they have been supportive or, or do you not so, think so at that time? So I think my parents would have been one of the only people that would have been supportive during that. And, and I, think, I think they were a little disappointed when I ended up telling them what I was going to do, but I, I don't think that they were, you know, they, they, cert they certainly wouldn't have disowned me and they didn't disown me. And, and, I, and I had friends whose parents would do that and have done that to other kids that chose that type of path. But my parents wouldn't necessarily have done that. But th I think they were definitely a little disappointed that I wasn't going to be going that route. I think that they kind of, you know, just were, were really proud that I was going that route. And so when I told them I wasn't, it was kind of like, a, oh, that kind of sucks, you know. But, but it was everybody else, though, like friends from college, any sort of people that I looked up to, the, the, the authority that I had grown around. You know, a, a lot of the other kids that went to college there, they came from all over the nation. So there's like, when I went to school there, it's a lot less now, but there was almost a thousand students on that college when I went to school there. And probably, you know, 40 of us had grown up on the campus. So wow. most of the people are from outside of, of that world. So I had a unique relationship with all the staff members of the college because they've all, you know, the, the ones that had been there for any length of time had known me and watched me grow up, you know, so it was, it was very much added to the social pressure of me trying to please the people who I looked up to and respected and, 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 and liked. Absolutely. You know? And so, so I knew that if I brought it to them, it would be that way. And it was that way. I did bring it up to one or two of them and they shut it down immediately. And then I knew I figured it'd be the same with some friends of mine. And I brought it up to some friends of mine and they shut it down immediately. So I just kind of kept it all inside at that point and just was like, okay, well, you know, I'll just kind of just bottle it all up, you know, which is always super healthy. <laughs> yeah, uh, of do. course. Yeah. I mean, that's um, the way most people go until they explode and then that's yeah, when you right. choice. <clears throat> so what so, was it that, that led you to finally decide that it was worth it to make those choices to to leave rather than sit in this place you didn't belong so i uh, so i basically had this meeting with my pastor who had been my pastor since i was three and he i remember sitting down i remember looking forward to that conversation because i'd been wrestling with this thing on the inside for months at this point and so i, I had a meeting with my pastor who you don't get a lot of meetings with it's not like a regular pastor like he's literally has a seven thousand member church and a 500 person school and a thousand student college. Like he's basically a CEO. He was less of a pastor and more of a CEO at that point. Like there's a publication, um, a publication company slash ministry on the same campus. Like it's, it's a very, like it's very impressive what he's done. And, uh, and I still respect, respect the hell out of him for, for what he was able to accomplish there. 
But, but I remember just being super disappointed in that meeting because I basically brought it up to him and said, you know, I got this job offer from this church up in Fresno and they offered me a part-time position. So I'm going to move up to Fresno and I'm going to take the part-time position. This is what I'm telling him. This is like what I've thought I wanted to do. And then, and then full-time, I'm just going to work this sales job. And so he was like, oh, well, you know, uh, he knew the pastor personally who had offered me the job. And he was just like, well, you know, I'll, I'll call him right now. and I'll make sure he gives you something full-time. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Like, I, I think you misunderstand. Like he offered me something full-time. I just asked if I could do part-time because like, I'm really enjoying this, what I'm doing right here. And he was like, oh, well, that's just the money talking. And sooner or later, you're gonna have to give that up and go into ministry. And like, just like that in a half a second, all these thoughts that I had for seven or eight months were just like completely thrown to the side. And so I knew that I knew that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to just like say that I was going to Fresno to work sales. Uh, like people would you know, like light me up over that. So, and be disappointed and all that stuff. So I basically talked to this pastor and worked out a deal with him to do part-time work at the church, which was the first time anybody ever presented anything like that to me, which, which was meant a lot to me. And he um, is, is still a friend of mine to this day. And uh, he basically was just like, he was like, Hey, I just want you to come out. We would love to have you and Jackie be a part of the church, like whatever capacity that is. If you want full-time, we have a full-time available. If you want part-time, we have a part-time available. If you want, if you want to just come out and work and be a layman in the church, we would love that too. We would just love to have you be a part of our culture. So I was just like, okay, well, that's super unique. And, and so that's what I ended up doing is I took the part-time job and I moved to Fresno. But what ended up happening was I, I couldn't actually work part-time at the church when we first moved there because for the five weeks in my life that I've ever had a nine to five was when we first moved to Fresno because I wanted to buy a house. I was, I was 21 at the time and I wanted to buy my first house and I didn't have a hundred percent commission job long enough in order for the banks to qualify for me for a home loan. So I took an internal transfer in the same company that I was working to get a salaried sales position instead of a hundred percent commission sales position. So uh, they actually controlled my schedule and that was the five weeks of my life I've ever done that. And so it prevented me from working uh, uh, at the church because they made me work on Sundays at this job. Got it. So it took me five weeks, Amber. It took me five weeks of being outside because this is the first time I'd moved away from Lancaster, let alone like been outside of that bubble and that culture. It took me five weeks to realize that I didn't want to do it anymore. And as soon as I quit that, as soon as we closed escrow on that house, I quit that job immediately. And I had the free time to be able to work at the church, but at that it, Five weeks was all I needed to have the clarity to know that I didn't want to go into ministry anymore and that I wanted to do something um, in the sales or business world. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was a long, it was a long, hard decision-making process for sure. And, you know, but, but eventually, but eventually I ended up, I ended up just coming to the decision that like, the bottom line is I'm going to be doing this ministry thing just to please all the authority figures and the other people in my life that I'm going to talk to maybe four or five days a year. So I'm going to live 360 days of, like of, you know what I mean? Like 360 days of the year, I'm going to live doing something that I don't like doing for the sake of other people. When only five of five days of 365, am I going to see these people? Like that doesn't compute. That doesn't make sense. The odds are like that logic doesn't track at all. So I'm going to like, I'm the only person at the end of the day, I'm the only person that has to wake up every single day and be me. Nobody yeah. else. Nobody 100%. else has to be me. So I need to be able to do the thing that is going to fire me up, regardless of what other people think is the thing I should be doing. I need to do what I think I should be doing. And 100%, I agree with you. And I hope that people take that and run with it because too many times we get stuck in what other people think. And you mentioned that your church wasn't a cult and I laughed a little bit, but that cult thing is thrown out in so many different things. Like our um, coaching world that we have right now, there are people outside that think that that's cultish, you know? So I, I could totally see how that would, that would exist. One, what I want to 
what I'm curious is Jackie seems so supportive of every crazy decision that you make in your life. Was she supportive of that as well? Or was she still in that church mindset? Like you're supposed to be a minister. Yeah. Every step of the way, she's been a little bit behind me in terms of like progressing outside of that culture. She's very much a very emotionally built person. So for her, there was so much more emotional attachment to everything. Whereas for me, once I figured it out logically, I was just like, this doesn't make any sense. And while it was still a difficult decision, it wasn't easy for me to do. It was much easier for me to do it than it was for her to do it. And so it, it took a lot. It was a, it was a, you know, took a toll on our marriage and it, it was, was, you know, definitely a difficult time. Like we, we didn't start believing everything the same until probably about a year ago, like oh, a wow. year, year and a half ago. So like we were, it was a really long process of, you know, me slowly moving away and then her kind of slowly following me. But it did take her a long time. Like when I first started, you know, being outside of all of that, she was definitely, you know, praying for me that I would come back and, you know, like, get back into all that stuff. So, you know, it was definitely, it was definitely a, an interesting time. And, and, and to, to her credit, like she didn't leave me <laughs> during that time, you know, but it was, it was definitely a trying time. And, and, and it was definitely a lot of stress in our marriage because of it. And, but, but, you know, eventually it just, eventually like the more that we talked about it, the more that we talked it out, the more she kind of just saw my perspective on it. Absolutely. And, uh, and now is very, very thankful for, for that perspective. Cause she even says it now. She's like, I would have just continued doing everything the same if you wouldn't have like, you know, challenged my belief yeah. system a little bit. Which I think that challenge of a belief system is something that we all need when you're in that little bubble of being around people that only think the same way that you do. You don't get to see all these other perspectives of the world, which is where so many amazing opportunities come from. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And really a holistic belief system, not just opportunities. Like people just believe one thing their whole life and they never question it. And, and I honestly envy it a little bit because I feel like I would be so much more certain about things if, if I would have just been able to like stick in something and believe it just because for the sake of believing it, but I just am not built that way. And it, it was difficult for me to do once I saw, you know, other people's perspectives it was just like, there's just, how do you, how do you, how do you make sense of all of this with that one narrow you know, small-minded belief system. Yeah, absolutely. So I know there are some people out there listening that heard you say that you just loved door-to-door sales and they're scratching their head a little bit. What yeah. about door-to-door sales was it that really attracted you to that world? Yeah, it was the ability. I, I never, like I said, I've only worked nine to five. That was five weeks of my life. So even when I was like younger, I did landscaping before I did door-to-door. And I, I never liked the idea that I could work the same amount of hours as somebody and get paid the same amount of money as they got paid, even though I was out producing them or outworking them or working harder or doing better. I just didn't, it just bugged me that I was like, well, why are they going to get paid the same amount of money I'm getting paid if I'm doing better work? You know, like I should get paid more money. So the idea of getting paid for production was uh, something that was very attractive to me because I believed in that system. Like if you do well, you get rewarded. And uh, so that was one thing. And then really, honestly, I think the, what, what attracted me to it when I was, when I was that um, new or fresh into the industry was that I, it, was, it was the first time that I felt that kind of personal development tug a little bit where I started learning things that, were, that actually mattered to me. Like I never, never, ever, ever read when I was a kid, never read anything. Like you, it was like pulling teeth to get me to read a book for school, you know, and most of the time I didn't. I would just read the summary and write a book report on it. So I, 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 for the first time in my life, I was actually like learning things and reading things that were interesting to me. 
And so I think it was kind of that in, you know, the leadership position that I was in, since I was one of the first people to jump into that job opportunity. I like me and two other, me and two or three other guys were made managers pretty quickly. And we were, we were basically like running the campus at that point because everybody at the school wanted that job because it was super flexible with hours. They paid you an hourly plus commission. So even if you weren't super good, you would still make money doing it and you could fit it around whatever schedule you're what you you wanted. So everybody, was like courting us all the time because everybody knew that we were in charge of hiring and they wanted a job. And so it was kind of all of that combined. It was like the, the leadership role, the personal development, the ability to make money based on production, all of those things kind of kind of wrapped into it for me. It definitely was not a passion for door-to-door sales. It was just uh, that the vehicle kind of was, was really attractive to me at the time. So it was more the kind of ends to uh, ends to a certain means that you saw of getting you to a particular place, and then you could find what fulfills you after that. Um, So as far as kind of your story and your path, what um, what was it that took you from door to door sales to this world of podcasting and networking that you're so passionate about now? Yeah, so like I said, it was never a passion for door to door sales for me. So I after a few years of doing, I just got burnt out. And I knew that I wasn't going to continue down that path. And I knew that like fast forwarding, I looked at the people around me basically. And in my first year of when I was really going for it, like the first year we were in Fresno, the first year that I really went full time and door to door, I became the second highest paid rep in the entire office compared to the people that had been there for six, seven years. And so I already felt like I was hitting a ceiling where I was. And I knew that like, that was a scary feeling for me. I just was like, this doesn't feel right to be 22 years old, making like the second most money in the office. The only guy that out earned me was he was literally working double the amount of hours that I was working. He wasn't the best salesman around. He was just the hardest worker in the office. So I knew if I put in the same amount of hours that he put in, I would out earn him, but only by a certain percentage and it would only be incremental growth. And even if I did do that the next year, what about the year after that? And what about 10 years after that? I just knew that the path was ended. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. there was, there was a, there was a blockage there and I didn't, I didn't care to find out was on the other end and I didn't like that version of my life in 10 years. So I just knew that there was a clear pivot that had to happen or else I'd be stuck doing the same thing for a really long time. And so for the first time in my life back against the wall, I just kind of jumped into personal development. And that was when I first started listening to audiobooks and reading a little, uh, reading a little bit more and listening to podcasts and came across a few podcasts that I really enjoyed. And after a while listening to them, I was just like, you know what, I think, I think I can do this. So I just kind of started in the industry. And it seems to have worked out well for you so far. Yeah, so far it's going pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> Nor should you be. So you have you started with was Build Your Network your first show or did you have a show mm-hmm. before that? Okay. So you started yeah, with Build Your Network. And um you just started a second show called World Class, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So what was the favorite part for you as far as podcasting with the Build Your Network? I'm sure you get different things out of both one, out of both shows. But when you started Build Your Network, what was your favorite thing about podcasting? The potential was my favorite thing. I, 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 I enjoyed the conversations and I enjoyed, you know, getting to know people and building relationships. But it was really just the pursuit of something that I knew would be a fulfilling opportunity for me to take advantage of. It was really, was really what I enjoyed most about it was knowing that I was doing something that would set myself up to 
live the life that I wanted to live. And podcasting offered that. Podcasting was a vehicle that offered that, which is, you know, time freedom, financial freedom, location freedom, just all forms of autonomy and freedom is really what I desired. And, and that's what it can afford you if, you if you can figure out how to do it well. So it was the prospect of if I kept my head down and kept pushing that it would eventually, you know, pay off. That's amazing. So you um, had your Build Your Network show. You just started World um, Class and there's a production company that goes along with that as well, right? Yeah. So we basically build podcasts for people that are just too busy to build them. So instead of just coaching them through the process, my team will actually take on the production work um, so that you don't have to do all the guesswork and figure out all the things on the back end. You can just, you know, do what you're good at, which is, you know, selling and servicing your clients. And we can do what we're good at, which is building world-class chart-topping podcasts. So on top of that, as if that's not enough on your plate, you recently held your first live event, which I was um, lucky enough to be able to attend. And it was amazing. What was your biggest takeaway as far as like a lesson that you learned from hosting your first live event? The power of live events uh, just solidified that. And I, I knew it to a certain extent, obviously, or I wouldn't have done it. But, but yeah, the power of live events and, you know, all this COVID stuff is obviously taking a huge hit in that industry right now, but I think it's going to come back with a vengeance once it's all over because you can't deny the power of a live event. You just can't. And we were blessed and fortunate enough to have things actually go pretty much as planned. You know, in entrepreneurship, you do a lot of things and you plan a lot of things. And most of the time it doesn't work out the way that you thought it was going to. The event was one of those things where like we projected a certain revenue and we hit certain benchmarks and certain goals and, and, and everything went according to plan pretty, pretty much. So, you know, a couple unexpected things here and there, but nothing crazy, nothing big. And so we were really blessed and fortunate to be able to say that for, especially for a first year event to be able to be as profitable as we were was definitely something that we were you know really proud about and uh, and yeah so I, I would say I would say that you know live events if, if you're in this space I don't I don't think that you should be operating without a plan to eventually have some sort of live in-person something or other that's such great advice so it may be your production company I don't know but what is the thing that is on the horizon for you that you're most excited for coming up yeah, the production company is definitely one of them. Another thing is that I'm uh, kind of alluded to it before we hit the record button is I'm building out a software right now that I can't really say much about, but but that's something that's a little bit exciting for me. It's a new venture. It's something that I haven't done before, but I think the potential could be uh, really big. And you know, uh, the we we're not we're not cheap when it comes to our podcast production services, but I just don't think that it's like the the software that I'm building. I think is going to be a really scalable, cool thing that we can really you know, take to market in a, in a really powerful way. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about getting that going. That's awesome. And cheap is obviously relative, right? So depending sure. on how much money um, or how much of an investment it's worth for somebody. So I want to switch gears for just a little bit and talk about kind of your best life and defining that. And this podcast kind of started with this definition of success. So that's normally where I start this conversation. What does success mean to you now? And has that definition changed for you throughout your life? Or have you been pretty solid on that definition? Yeah, it's constantly changed for me. And I think that's one thing that people don't do often enough is they don't take account for what success means to them right now. And sometimes you get a picture of what success means to you and then you get so caught up in the pursuit of that success. And then you reach all your goals and then you wonder why you're not happy. And it's just like, oh, well, I've been pursuing this thing for the last nine years that I wanted in year one, but year three, I didn't want it anymore, but I kept doing it for six more years, six more soul sucking years. <laughs> and I kept doing something that in pursuit of a goal that I didn't even want anymore. And I, I think that 
people don't often enough take, take time to gain clarity over what they want. And so I think it, my definition of success has changed a lot over the years. And, and really, to me, it's just a combination of fulfillment and happiness and, and combined with a legacy. And I, I, think, I think that's what, that's what success means to me and not, not necessarily assign a dollar amount to that. I used to, it always used to be a dollar amount for me, but it's not really necessarily defined by a dollar amount anymore. It's defined by a lot more, less measurable things like, like fulfillment and happiness and, and you know, living a version of life that's, that's important to me, like being able to travel and having that freedom to spend time with my family and take them on a trip or doing something like that. Like those things matter a lot more to me than like, you know, just having money in the bank account. And sure, does like, and just to be clear though, I like money, like let's get that on the table right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I'm not one of these people that has this prosperity gospel preaching thing where like, it's just all about love and everything and money doesn't matter. That's like, no, 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 like money matters. And uh, having more of it's always better than having less of it. So I'm um, definitely in pursuit of that, but it's definitely not the most important thing. Um, I agree with you on the money thing. And I think that what's interesting about what you just said is that so many people are afraid to actually talk about it. So many people are afraid yeah. to say that their definition of success includes some sort of money. Um, mm -hmm. Because I think for all of us, it does. Otherwise, we'd all live down in tent city and be, you know, trying to figure out where our next meal is going to come from if money didn't matter. But that's not the only thing that exists. And I think that that's where everybody differs a little bit. You also mentioned something about happiness and fulfillment. And from doing this podcast, one of the things that's become apparent to me is that success, happiness, and fulfillment, people think those terms are interchangeable. And I've become just intrigued by everybody's own relationship to those. So for you, does success come first followed by fulfillment or is it the other way around or are they completely unrelated? Yeah, I think success is a byproduct of fulfillment. And I think that it, it, to me, that's just my definition of success. You know, somebody else might have a different definition of success. They might say that, you know, fulfillment secondary to some sort of monetary goal or career goal that they have for themselves. And you know what? That's fine. That's on, that's on you. Like it's on you to come up. I think the, the, the pinnacle is self-awareness and understanding what that definition is for you and really going after that thing. So I would say that I would say for me, fulfillment is a sign that I am being successful. And if I'm doing work that fulfills me, I'm usually doing a pretty good job at it because it's something that I'm actually fired up about. And it's not something that I take, you know, that, that I, that I, that I don't put a lot of effort into and whatever I put effort into, whatever I commit my mind to, I know that I can make happen. And so it, if, if, if it fulfills me, then I know I'm going to commit my mind to it and then in turn have that success. So it's kind of like a, a loop, you know, it's kind of like this never ending loop of success and fulfillment is how I kind of look at it. Yeah, I agree with you. And like I said, I think a lot of people throw those terms out like they're interchangeable and don't take the time to define them. So I think that that's a really cool relationship that you've created for those. You went through this path in your life where you were put in a situation where you had um, to make some uncomfortable choices for yourself. You had to make some unpopular choices for yourself. What advice would you have for somebody that's kind of sitting in that spot? in that ledge that they're not quite ready to push themselves out of it and they're just miserable. What, what advice would you have for moving forward? 
Yeah. Spend some time with yourself and get clear on what it is that you, that you want. And if you're not even sure what that looks like, sometimes action's the only thing that can give you more clarity around that. And I love, the, I love this quote, in the absence of clarity, take action. And I think a lot of people are waiting for this like picture perfect idea of what they want to come in their minds before they actually take any steps toward doing something. And if, you do, if you're always doing that, you're just going to be crippled. You're never going to move. You're never going to take action. You're always going to be stuck where you are, which is not a position that I want to be in. So if you're struggling, take action and, and learn if you're if you're going to let fear drive you learn to fear regret more than you fear failure and that's something that keeps me up at night is is thinking about myself when i'm 95 years old sitting in a rocking chair on my front porch and thinking about my life i'm at that point i can't do anything else about it so when i come to a big decision i ask myself will i regret not doing this and it's, is it a big risk sometimes yes really big risk and a half the time it doesn't even work out. Like half the time it was a bad decision, but I know in my heart of hearts that if I wouldn't have made the decision, I'd be sitting in my rocking chair at 95 years old, wondering what would have happened if, and I just don't, I just don't want that. And, and I think some people just need a little bit of perspective in that and realize that like, Hey, maybe these like 10 dipshits who are laughing at me for like my goals and my dreams, like maybe their opinion doesn't matter. And they're going to be dead when I'm 95 or they're going to be sitting in their own rocking chair or they're going to be in their, you know, hospital room or retirement home or whatever it is they're going to live throughout the rest of their life. And they're gonna be doing the same thing. And I promise you the people that laugh at dreams and goals are going to have the most regrets. They're going to have a laundry list of regrets when they get to that age. Whereas the people who went for it and, and, and lived a life in pursuit of the things that they wanted are not going to be in that same position. And I, I just, I, I just encourage you if you're listening to this right now, really ask yourself what you want, take action and, and really think about, you know, is this something that I'm going to regret long-term or is this something that I'm going to be happy that I made the decision, even if it doesn't work out and being okay with the fact that it might not work out and probably won't work out, especially if you're first starting. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. It's part of the process. People are going to laugh at you. People are going to make fun of you. People are going to wonder about what you're doing. But if you keep making decisions for people all the time, you're never going to make decisions for you. And like I said, the beginning of this conversation, come full circle here, you're the only person that has to wake up and be you every day. So stop living your life for other people. I love that. And I'm going to plug your build your network group during this conversation as well, because one of the biggest things for me in making that leap was getting around other people who were also willing to make that leap. And they might not have the same dreams or goals as I am, but if somebody is sitting there laughing at you for your dreams and goals, I can guarantee you that they have something they want to accomplish in their life that they aren't willing to put themselves out there to get. And yep. so surrounding myself with a bunch of people that were out chasing their goals was so amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And there, and really what's happening is that the reason they want you to fail is they're looking for proof of why they made the right decision. Yeah. That's all it is. They have this, they have a dream that they wanted to accomplish, but since they didn't do it, they don't want to see you successful at what you do, because that means that they could have been successful at what they, what they wanted to do, but they didn't take the action to do it. So they're secretly hoping that you're not going to reach your goal because it's going to reveal within themselves their own mistakes which is only going to fuel the regret that they already have. So don't let that kind of stuff deter, deter you from, you know, I, I, it's actually really funny. I was watching, I'm a big comedy fan and Tom Segura recently came out with a new comedy special. It was actually him that said this, which is interesting. He said, cause he moved to LA, you know, two decades ago to do stand up comedy. That's chasing your dream. If I've ever heard it, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and so gives up a career and moves to, 
LA to start doing stand-up comedy. And now he's one of the most famous stand-up comics, stand-up comics that there is and makes a lot of money and does very well for himself. And, and he was saying, he basically said that if you, even if you never accomplish what you set out to accomplish, living your life in pursuit of that thing will make you happier than not pursuing that thing. Yeah, I love that so much. And so if you're listening to this and you're in that spot, go check out Travis's group because I think there's 12, 1300 people in there at this point in time. And I can guarantee you there's somebody that can give you some perspective that'll motivate you to to push out of your comfort zone. It's an amazing group of people. I want to be respectful of your time. And I know that we're coming to the end of the interview. What I'd like to do is just give people a chance to get to know you a little bit better with a quick random round. Are you okay with that? Yes, ma'am. Let's do it. All right. What profession other than your own do you think would be fun to attempt? Uh, uh, since we just talked about it, probably stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedy? That's, that takes some Or comedy acting. Like something in comedy because I just love laughing and I love making people laugh. That's cool. If you could time travel, where would you go and why? That's a good question. Like within my own life? Wherever you want. You can go, you can go past or future, however mm. you want. I mean, I feel like I feel like I wouldn't be taking advantage of it if I didn't go do something awesome. But I think the more practical response would be to time travel back to my 16-year-old self and give him some advice. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. What personality trait or skill or quality do you think has been most helpful to you throughout your life? Probably persistence has been a theme that's kind of come up a lot in my life is, you know, finding a way in the house. If the front door's locked, you know, grab a ladder and put it up to the second story window. And if that doesn't work, then kick down the back door. Like I think so many people try the front door and then they leave, you know, and, and, and I'm not, and I'm not saying this as like a real example of what I did in door to door sales. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm saying this as a, as a metaphor for your goals and your dreams and, and people, people try once and then they quit. And I just think that there's, I just, I just think that the only way to really like the failure is guaranteed, but the sex is the, the success is not. So you you have to be willing if you really want what you say you want, then you got to be willing to just keep doing it until it works. And I think love that man those underrated qualities. Yeah, I love that. And the attorney in this conversation approves of your of your qualification there to not <laughs> knocking down doors. Thank you. Um, as far as books are concerned, are you a physical reader or an audio listener? You know, mostly probably audio. I've gotten a lot more into physical reading as well, but um, I probably listen to more than I, than I read most likely. And what book have you recommended the most to people? It's kind of all over the place, to be honest with you, just because it really depends on where this particular person is. But maybe for your show, I would recommend a book, either, either of Mark Manson's books. I would recommend oh, either of those books to anybody that that's just trying to jump into the you know personal development getting into themselves a little bit more it's i would say less personal development it's more like modern day philosophy almost so i would yeah. check those out yeah he's amazing and lastly because i'm a music nerd i like have to create my new playlist so what's your pump up song right now good question let me think of a good one the search by nf okay Yep. You have to check um, it out it starts off kind of slow but then like it, it's a banger like you're halfway through it'll, it'll i like it up. I like it. All right. So if people want to connect with you to see all the amazing things that you have going on, whether to check out your production company or your new podcast or just network with you, where's the best place for them to find you? 
Yeah, probably best would just be to go to my website because you can find everything there. Uh, my social links, my podcast, my YouTube channel, everything like that. So travischapel.com would be the best place. C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L, travischapel.com. Perfect. Well, Travis, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. I know that you're busy. So I appreciate the little piece of your time that we were able to get from you and the value and guidance that you were able to give the audience today. Thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I was been looking forward to coming on the show for a while. You're awesome. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the show. I hope that something that was said resonated with you or provided value to you in one way or another. I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on the show. You can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Amber Furman. Also, I've created a Facebook community for followers of the show to interact with me and other members of the community. You can find that on Facebook at More Than Corporate. So go ahead and join that group if you'd like to stay up to date on podcast happenings and meet some really cool people. Again, thanks so much for tuning in.